welcome to Miss Checkpoints, the video game book club podcast. Today we're discussing Grandia 2. I'm your host Marcus and joining me today as always is the homie. What's up Dante? Just the two of us. Just I think that's how that us. song goes. <laughs> <laughs> this is your game for, what is it, like what, January? <laughs> I think it was like February or March or maybe, it was April. I, we got through everybody's game. So we're, maybe it's March. We, we got we got a little bit behind, but uh, you know we're, we're here now, and that's all that matters. So um, uh, because it is your game, I will let you kick it off and introduce it to us. All right. So our game for the month is Grandia Two, which is one of the older games we've played. It's an RPG, and it was originally developed by GameLoft, and came out on the Sega Dreamcast. Um, first in Japan of August 3rd, 2000, and shortly after in North America that December. Um, later it got ported to the PlayStation 2, Steam, Windows via Steam, and there was also an HD remaster that eventually ended up on Switch in 2019. So, um, like I said, it was developed by Game Arts, and, um... Got published. I believe the publisher was Ubisoft. But Grandia 2 is a little bit different from most of the other games we've played. I believe this is the only role playing game we've played in Miss Checkpoint's history. Um, am I right on that, Marcus? I'm checking now. I feel like we played games, like this is the, the only pure one. We've definitely played games with RPG elements, but I think I'm. At least like pseudo turn based RPG. Like, yeah. Advanced Wars is more of a, what's it called, SRPG, or whatever you want to call it, strategy. The only other one yeah. I could think of was, where I just saw it, what the heck. Um, I guess, what would you consider Transistor? Transistor, I would action still RPG? consider, yeah, I would say it's an action RPG. Oh, we, it definitely we did has, play, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Shut Up and Jam. Oh, yeah, I wasn't there for that, but that is true. Because when I was saying it, I'm like, I feel like they played one, but I just can't put my finger on it. So, yeah, this is um, the spiritual successor to Barkley Shut Up and Jam Gaiden, <laughs> as everybody knows. <laughs> um, anyway, this the game set in a um, fantasy world. It's um, You got your light and dark motifs and kind of setting up the story it takes place after this giant war of light and dark between Granis and Valmar. And you play as a character named Ryudo, who is a geohound, which is a essentially like a mercenary of this world. And his... Well, you don't play as it, but he has a hawk companion called Sky. And you're doing mercenary things. Anything else that you want to say about the intro before we go back into the... Um... I guess I'll go ahead and say that it was received pretty well at launch, but then um, pretty much every port it got had a handful of issues. Like, I remember the PS2 one having like weird load times, I'd like to say, and the PC version, as I experience, has some crashing issues. <laughs> well, you play the PC um, version? Yeah, I played on Steam. Gotcha. Um, I don't know if you saw this in your opener, but like, was this game a 
popular in the U.S. because, I mean, this was the second one that came out. So, like, did it have, like, a fan base after the first game? That's a good question. Um, if I had to guess, this is me speaking out of my butt right here. I don't think it had a large, large fan base over here, but I don't think this is like the highest budget game. So it probably, I could see it breaking even or being maybe like slightly profitable, maybe not profitable, especially when we're talking about Dreamcast, which was kind of like a failed system in many regards. But either way, I think it was kind of like a safe thing they could port over or localize without worrying too much about a cost like you know eating a loss or something gotcha and then my other question is i know you are among one of my biggest dreamcast my friends that are dreamcast fans is this considered or either grand is it grandia or grandia um i honestly don't know is uh, are there these games considered one of the better dreamcast games or like i just I'm not super familiar with Dreamcast, so like the games when, when that I associate with the Dreamcast, or like I think it was like NBA 2K, uh, uh, Ready to Rumble, Crazy Taxi, one of the Sonic like adventure battles or whatever. Like those are games that I, whenever I see anything about Dreamcast, those are some of the first games that come up. Is this among that, or is so, this like a cult classic type of game? So I will say, um. I'm looking at the reviews right now, and according to Wiki, it um, pretty much has a 9 out of 10 or 90 out of 100 on Metacritic. So it was received well on Dreamcast, but it does say, despite good reception, sales of the game remained relatively low in the region. And this is Japan they're talking about, with about 180,000 copies. So it sold kind of lukewarm in japan i can't imagine it selling that well over here and you talked about like i guess cult classics or like the big games on dreamcast this definitely was not one of them as far as like if somebody's making a list of like the top 20 dreamcast games or the top 20 most popular at least i wouldn't expect to see this game there but i think from a cult class of classic perspective um at least for rpg fans a lot of them do recognize this game as being pretty well received for the time so so it's like, not resident evil 4 for gamecube it's more eternal or amnesia for gamecube i would say that like it would be the difference between like a um resident evil 4 and like a um silent hill 2 like there's one that is this, you know, like, this is to Final Fantasy as Silent Hill is to, like, Resident Evil. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say one is better than the other, but yeah, one definitely yeah, has gotcha. a bigger I gotcha. fan I just, base. I just was, like, kind of like what you said. Like, I know this wasn't going to be, like, one of the, you know, usually the lists are either these are the top 20 best games and it's, like, a popularity contest or like people mm-hmm. take like these are the top twenty best rated uh, via Metacritic games for a console, and then that one is I think a little bit more uh, equal because it's like the, a game could not sell well, but also still be highly touted and critically acclaimed. So like you know like a Beautiful Joe for GameCube it didn't really sell well, but it is considered one of the 
top 20, top 25 best games for GameCube. Same thing with like Amnesia. Is, is Amnesia or Eternal Darkness or whatever is the horror game that that came out on GameCube? It's like it didn't sell well, but it's considered one of the best games on GameCube. Or you know, right, Eternal Darkness. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So that that's kind of what I was saying. Is like this is probably probably would be like on like some of the higher rated game or Dreamcast list, even if it's not uh, technically um, the highest selling or the most recognizable. It's no right. Shinmu is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, even Shinmu is a little bit of a failed experience. But I mean, yeah, your analogy is spot on. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry for that little uh, one-off tangent. No, I mean, that was that was pretty much it. Um, let's see. Just looking really quickly, it says the PS2 version didn't sell well either. So, <laughs> womp womp. And actually, like, it's interesting because I'm looking at the meta for the PS2 version and the PC version, and those are about 70, so it's like 20 points lower. Mm, So, I don't know if it was harder competition because now you're fighting, like, actual Final Fantasy since you're off the Dreamcast, or the port was just, um, you know, that much more broken. That's weird. Because, yeah, like... EGM and IGN, they gave the Dreamcast one nines, and both of them pretty much gave um, the PS... Ooh, EGM gave the PS2 version a four. <laughs> Disappointing <laughs> AF. Yeah, so they must have really messed it up in a couple certain ways. But, but anyway, that's kind of the little backstory. Um, Jeez. That's what. So, just EGM found the PlayStation version to be vastly inferior to the original, citing a reduced frame rate, color, and texture. How do they have reduced texture quality? That doesn't make sense. Adding that it's an inexplicably horrible graphics completely ruin an otherwise splendid title. I'm wondering if the texture quality was in the cutscenes and not the actual gameplay. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna have to watch a video of that later. Just like um, just the, Grandia just Two, PS Two. <laughs> well, yeah, you said that's... you played it on a uh, Steam on PC. Yeah, ori- originally I played it on my Dreamcast, like way back when. Did you, did you rent it or you own it? Um. Well, the fine renting and owning with the Dreamcast. I'll put it that way. Oh, okay. Did you? So this was a game that you had in your it's, possession. There, there was a CD that played Grandia Two, and I put okay. it in my P, my Dreamcast. Did you? Which did was you, very easy. Did you play the first one? No, I did not. So, so how how did you hear about the second one? That's a really good question. I think I was just into JRPGs at the time, and. People were like, oh, Grandia 2 is a great game. More people need to try it. And I'm wondering what caused me to choose this over Skies of Arcadia. Because if you hear about JRPGs on the Dreamcast, um, Skies of Arcadia is the one that 99% of the people will go to. As far as like, oh, this is the one you have to play. Well, I mean, you being a Sega fan, aren't you used to go into second tier uh, properties? Oh, wow. And I would not also... I'm not even going to get into the whole fan thing, but <laughs> whatever. But anyway, I, I played through this game, enjoyed it quite a bit, and I'm like, well, honestly, it was the last thing on 
our list of games that I expected to be chosen and kind of wanted to be chosen, but you, I already know. I, let, and let me see what uh, what is your. I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm talking and looking. I want to see what your list was. Um, but do you um, do you remember liking the game? Did you did you beat it? See, the thing is, like, unlike you guys, I don't put a game on my list that I don't think I'm going to like. And yes, I did finish it on top of that. I don't get so, what you're trying to say. <laughs> I, I know exactly what I'm trying to say. Oh, dang. Our polls are too old. It's been too long. Oh, really? So, yeah, they're, they're no longer there. So I don't remember what you... But, uh, yeah, so so... This was a game that you had previously played, knew you liked, and were like looking at revisiting it for the first time since you originally played it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Pretty much. So, um, you said you played on PC this time. D- did you notice any of the differences, or did it like kind of like I-, I know it's kind of hard to because I-, I think when these games were originally ported, people were like it was more fresh on people's mind. It being like a five year gap. Right, between the original and the no, the Windows version came out two years later. But I'm guessing you played the anniversary edition. Um, yeah, I played the anniversary edition, but I'm pretty sure when they ported it to Switch, the Steam version got an update to be kind of in parity with that. Oh, one. gotcha, gotcha. And that's the version I played was the Switch version. Um. Uh, and the, I don't have any history with uh, this game slash series, uh, nor I, I don't really think I've played. Like, are, are you a big JRPG fan or were at some time? Yeah, I would still consider myself a JRPG um, enthusiast. I've, I would say dabbled. I think the only one that comes to mind that I've played, or I've played some of the Final Fantasy Kingdom Hearts, just like the beginnings, um, the the PS2, which I can I guess those would be considered the JRPGs, PS2 Final mm-hmm. Fantasies, and then uh, I pl- I played through and beat the first disc of uh, Blue Dragon, and then I stopped playing after that. <laughs> Interesting. I actually um, I picked up Blue Dragon for the first time earlier this year and i haven't gotten back to it like it was something i enjoyed for the most part it's just i got busy with other stuff it was same same with me i i enjoyed it but it was such a like time commitment i think i got it when it first came out and then i think shortly afterwards there were games that were a little bit more my speed were coming out um so i just kind of put it on the wayside and i knew realistically i'm like i'm probably not going to pick this game back up where i left off and i don't really have the time to play a i don't even know it was like 80 hour game or something like that and honestly that's mostly why i put the game on the poll because one we hadn't done many rpgs and two i knew you didn't have much experience with the genre Mm -hmm. now that i'm thinking about it i'm pretty sure my list was rpg oriented so i had persona 5 on it Grandia 2, um, Super Mario RPG? Or no, I had Chrono Trigger. I think you had Super Mario RPG on there too. Okay, I might have had both of those. And Because I, I, like... I think that and this is what I voted for. Because I, I, it's not that I have nothing against Persona, but you, you know with me, and this is like a shortcoming of myself, 
I don't like picking up franchises not from the beginning. <laughs> so right, it, and the it, thing about JRPGs, and this applies to most of them. Final Fantasy, I'm ninety percent sure it applies to Grandia, Persona. They all might be loosely related at best. So you literally, there's almost no benefit of playing Grandia one. Before playing Grandia, yeah, yeah, and or that's Persona, something that I'm aware of, but I also I knew that I I also don't want to play a game to a point or like clock in X amount of hours. I want to play a game and finish it because I don't want to talk about a game if I haven't seen it all the way through. I try not to, so I knew that Persona Five was a lengthy game, and I think Chrono Trigger was as well. Um, maybe, maybe not, definitely not Persona Five length, but I, I wanted to play a game that I was like realistically, I could play and beat this game within a month, and so like I think that was my, and and then like I, I had played Super Mario RPG before, but I did not beat it. I had played it on the emulator when I was in high school, and then mm-hmm. this game, it, it the art style was like appealing to me because it just. It looks like an older game, and like I just really dug how the the, the art style looked. So, um, yeah. So, you want to get into it? Yeah. So, let's see. First order of business. I think we should kind of establish the mechanics of the game. So, you play as Ryudo and um, Party. You're technically able to control any of them as they move around the, the map. And as a JRPG, you travel area to area, going to towns, buying equipment, um, leveling up skills. We'll go into the mechanics of how you actually level up, because it is a little different than most um, JRPGs in that regard. And then you also have combat. So, I guess the easiest place to start is combat, because that's where all your skills eventually get used. Um, so it's turn-based, but it's also, battles take place in a 3D sphere, essentially. So you have this circular area that you get transported to during any battle, and every character is, has a little indicator on this little bar that's at the bottom of the screen. And essentially the bar has three phases, there's... Like a charge phase, there's a like startup phase, and then there's an act phase. So, charge phase, your character's just stagnant, you can't do anything with them. Once you get to the like init phase, you choose which action you want to do with your character. So, you have a variety of things you can do you have standard attack, you have block, you have skill, you have Move, which is interesting, most JRPGs don't do that, where you can have your character tactically move to an area of that circular um, battleground. And then... um, You you had combo and critical. Combo and critical. So, yeah, those are the two different attacks, like two different primary attacks. Yeah, two different like physical attacks. Mm -hmm. So, the difference is combo allows you to essentially get two swings in and um, the two swings come pretty quick but they don't have a canceling effect 
What the canceling effect allows you to do is if an enemy is in the either init phase or in the act phase, if you hit them with a critical, then you can essentially cancel their attack and knock them back into the waiting phase. Critical, if you hit an enemy during the act phase or the init phase, then that will cancel them and cause them to essentially drop back and that gives you a little bit more time. You can cancel out like sometimes the enemy's doing a mega attack and if you can get it in, then you can knock them out of it. Conversely, it's a risk reward mechanic. So if you go for a critical and you get caught in the act phase as they land their attack, you're going to take critical damage because you're essentially leaving yourself open. So it has this very interesting mechanic like back and forth mechanic of like can i rush in and get this critical before they get their attack off likewise they can do the same thing to you so if you're charging a spell you kind of have to look at the bar and be like okay um this lizard over here he's almost ready to attack and if he attacks me here it's going to leave me with about my pants down essentially knock me out of my thing i'm going to take extra damage from his attack and just you know, leave yourself open for a bad day. Um, skills. In fact, you have two different types of skills. You have technical skills, which are character-based, so every character has, like, five different abilities they can do. That You use something called SP to use those, and they're essentially, like, powerful attacks or magic. So Ryudo, for example, the main character, he has, like, a dragon slash where he jumps up into the air and slashes down. Um, another character can knock people to sleep, I'd like to say. Another character has this, like, tunnel thing, like a a rectangle worth of attack that they can attack a lot of people and cancel multiple people at once. So there's a lot of different situational stuff that's really cool. And then you also have magic, which uses MP, and those are elemental-based and your typical fire, wind, thunder, that type of stuff, as well as, like, sleep. And then you can also have stat buffs and debuffs for you or the enemies. Um, anything else that you want to say about, like, the battle mechanics that um, you found interesting, Marcus? Or I freaking loved the combat in this game. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Like, and I don't know if it's like a byproduct of me having been playing a lot of uh, Into the Breach lately, but it, it, it kind of reminded me of that because you could see when an enemy was, which, which of your characters the enemy was targeting. So like mm-hmm. using the critical, like knowing when you needed to do a critical versus when you needed to defend versus like how you prioritize taking out an enemy. And, like, to ensure you're not taking damage or you're, like, saving your character from getting hit. Like, it it was so dope to kind of, like, have that in mind when you're playing. Because, like, we, we were saying, like, the critical when they're in the action phase would cancel their attack. But when you do a combo, it just stops them from going. And I would say the bar is very similar to, like, um, like Mega Man Battle Network, where once the bar fills up, then you can do the action. And the cool thing too, that we kind of don't mention is like all your characters and the enemy characters have a different like 
refresh rate. So I noticed like in the later later stages of the game in the end game stuff, a lot of the bosses they could at times get two attacks off before you could get one off. So like the the way you kind of the order of operations you had to do in order to kind of combat that was so like interesting to me. I I love that part of the game. It's very intricate because like like Marcus was saying, everybody has and it's kind of interesting. You have out of battle stats and then you have in battle stats and like there's some type of conversion ratio that determines what's essentially called your act. And um you can also buff your act or debuff the enemy's act and that's how fast you move along that meter. And you're just having to think multiple turns in advance. It, it kind of does sound like I haven't played too much into the breach, but like having to plan out stuff like multiple turns in advance because it's like, okay, this boss is going to get this off. I can see this character's here. They might be ready to go about at the same time this boss is going to get their next attack off. So I can either try to do something like I can do a powerful attack and just accept that a second attack's going to happen here or I can try to get a cancel in and I think more so than most um, I think RPGs are like um, have gotten better about this but a lot of them don't require you to use like the full palette of things and this one is very much like there's not many games that like force you to use that defend thing but this game, there is a time and place for that defend <laughs> and stuff like that. And, and and like you said, like your stats. So like I, I have a I, I wrote a dislike and, and a like thing about this game uh, while we, we've been talking. And so the combat system is something that I really, really like about this game. And I'm just going to be straight up. There's more things that I dislike about the game. Like, but overall, like they're like m- minor, like I really, really like the combat system, and, like, that trumps everything in my dislike side. Um, But one of the things that I dislike is the stats weren't clear what they meant. And um, so you were talking about having battle stats versus normal stats. So, like, your normal stats, you had AGI, which I guess is agility, and that would determine how quickly your character moves up and down on the bar. Yeah, agility versus speed. <laughs> yeah, like... and speed on uh, is how fast your character moves on the battlefield. Because I think you had alluded to it uh, briefly that there is a move mechanic, so you can move, you can you can block an attack and take less damage, or you can move and move away from the enemy to kind of like essentially pre dodge. And additionally, that would also determine how quickly you ran up to somebody to do an attack if you were doing a physical attack um, on them. So, like, there, there, that stuff was important, and there was a lot of items that you could equip to affect this thing or, you know, change this thing, but the game never spelled out, at least I didn't see anywhere that it spelled out what all of these stats meant. So I constantly had to Google, like, what yep. is HEI? What is MEN? What is MAG? Like, what what do these stats mean? Because there were so many times where I'm like, is this item actually better? Um, I like I noticed that this character that is my pixie character, you know, the one that, that does no damage but and has no life. 
let me rephrase that has no life but does a lot of damage but like they always go last how can i make them faster like things like that so um i i really 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 dug the combat system but unfortunately like it was a little bit unclear what everything did in order to make uh everything work um the other thing i and i agree with what you said about like this game um, allowed you to kind of do everything. I would say the one thing that I didn't really use were items. That was like the uh, th- that was. A, I don't know if you mentioned that as another thing you can do in battle, but there were like mm-hmm. items that you could use to like do four hundred fire damage or do eight hundred earth damage or or whatever. And um, those things, uh, I just had a ton of items, but I didn't really use that. Um, at least in battle, I used like potions and I used um, out of battle and I used like things to get rid of uh, status effects. But mm. as far as like attacking items or anything like that, I, I pretty much opted to either use spells, um, special abilities or physical attacks. There was a couple occasions where I used attack items, but um, this game also has two difficulty modes. There's like normal and hard. This time I decided to go hard and I did have to use at least more items than I typically do in a JRPG. I th- I think that is a common JRPG thing where, like, you get a billion items and you never use, like, 80, 90% of them just because yeah, people yeah. like to hoard items. But, like, to your point, there wasn't much of a point in the items. And the way they spelled out, like, damage for the items was a little ambiguous. So it would be, like, 600 nature damage. And I'm like, what does 600 nature damage actually mean? Because if I use it... These enemies are only taking like forty or fifty damage, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they they have the same thing too, where like you know, like this these characters are specific elements or like weak to a specific element. So, like, they have like the the whole I guess I would like Pokemon aspect, or I don't know. That's the first game that I attribute with elements, but there's probably been games before then that did it. But mm-hmm. you know, um, there was like lightning, uh, ice, uh, fire, earth, explosive. Um, uh, forest and so like there was different spells uh buffs and attacks and you know debuffs that were attributed to, to specific elements and another thing that they entered they they had that we i don't know if we talked about was the um like the skill book yeah that was kind of pseudo like it's it, it, it's leveling up your character which we haven't talked about but i think it this specifically the skill book applies to combat mm-hmm um, yeah, well, let's go over that. So, yeah, yeah, okay. On top of just the basic combat, you obviously, as any JRPG, you have equipment, so you can equip like helmet, body armor, feet, and I think accessory or like, like a jewelry spot. and some type of uh, clothing and your a, a, a weapon. Mm-hmm. And those, you know, they buff your defense, but they also have secondary stuff. But on top of that, what Makes this game also interesting in this regard, in my opinion. So, in battle, you get experience. You get a lot of stuff out of battle. You get experience, you get gold, you get MC, and then you get SC. MC is for magic coin, SC is for special coin. Magic coin allows you to... Essentially, you get books throughout the game. You get spell books. You go to the spell book. You use magic coin to, one, unlock spells. And then, two, you can upgrade spells up to level five, I'd like to say. Yeah. And as you upgrade a spell, 
the startup time for it goes down drastically, and then its power also goes up by some margin. Likewise, um, you have SC. SC allows you to unlock special moves with the characters, as well as upgrade them, and they're on that same 1 to 5 star ratio. So, what's interesting here, apropos to almost every other JRPG, this is kind of like a community pool thing, so your characters get experience on an individual level. But Magic Coin and Special Coin are kind of like this community aspect thing, so I can upgrade whichever spellbook I want, and then from those spells in that spellbook, I can attribute them to any given character, up to five, I'd like to say, and you unlock slots as you go along, so you might only be able to equip two spells to begin with. Well, the spellbook you equip in totality to a character, I take that back. Right? It's it's skills and then like they call it the the eggs. Oh my god! Yeah. So I actually misspoke about all of this. So there's the spell books, there's the mana eggs, and then there's the special skills. So the skills are on a per character basis. So you have like let's say you have three thousand skill points or whatever. You could upgrade Ryudo's thing, but then you might not have coins to upgrade um, Rowan or Elena's. Anybody else's skills. The mana egg are these eggs that can be equipped to any character, and then you can remove them and then equip them to another character. And you can upgrade the spells there. And so they each are kind of like their own... I, I can think of the names as like the holy egg or the angel chaos egg. egg. The cha- yeah, the chaos egg, the, the fire egg. And it's basically a, a booklet or a set of spells tied to each egg. So I think it's typically 15, I want to say, spells. It, it's kind of like a combination, though. So there's going to be like a fire and thunder egg. And then there's a forest and ice egg. And yeah, they yeah. kind of mix them up. Which is so interesting, you, and so you, when you equip that egg to uh, a character, they have access to the spells of that uh, the element, and mm-hmm. um, so like I had just so happened that I think at the end of the game, I think there's like a total of like seven eggs, six or seven eggs, and you only have like a party of four. So um, uh, I had like. I think all my characters had healing spells because it just so happened that all the eggs that I had equipped, all of them had at least one healing spell. And they, they kind of do the Final Fantasy thing, kind of, sort of, where you have to, like, say, for example, the fire egg, it has three fire spells, but in order to get access to the second and third one, you have to, like, unlock them by getting to a certain level with the first fire spell and they do a good job it, like it's well, not quite fire fight what is like thunder thundera thundega so essentially the eggs have a level and every time you buff any given attribute of an egg the egg level goes up and that's what unlocks mm. the different oh okay okay mm. but but like it's not quite like like i said like thunder thundera thundega or whatever it's mm-hmm. like your first spell for the fire one was like a fire attack that only you can only attack one enemy with it. Uh, then the second version is a fire attack 
that allows you to hit like people within a certain radius. And then the third one is like a more powerful one that is also people in a certain radius. But like, it's not to say like the, the third version takes more mana than the first two, but it's not necessarily like in every situation, Oh, I should use this one. Um, or, or anything like that. It's they just have different abilities. And then the right. cool thing too with all of these, uh, we haven't really said with all the spells and all the uh, skill or special attacks, is they have like a, an animation that goes with them too. Yeah, and I guess like going on top of that point you just said, like so every attack essentially has a radius of sorts, and you have solo. You have, um, like, AOE, like a circle. You have line, which shoots a rectangular line in front of you. And then I think you have all, and those are kind of like the four different... Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also some of them, too, like, not all circles are the same. So some will say some enemies, and it's only, like, a small circle. And some are some enemies, and it's a much bigger circle. And there also is, I don't know if there was this with spells, but I know like Mareg, he had an ability that originated, it was a radius spell, but it originated from him. And I don't know if there was any spells like that, where it was a big circle, but it started with him versus, that that did damage versus a circle that started on the enemies. Interesting. Like, I know there's some healing stuff or like status effect stuff that's like that, but I didn't know there was like an attack like that. And, um, yeah, so, like, by far, like, I, I enjoyed this game and these two things, the, the, the level-up mechanic or the level-up system and the combat system were far and away, like, my absolute favorite part of this game where I, I feel like one of the things that I run into when I play RPGs, and this is maybe a reason why I kind of don't play like straight up RPGs. I like RPG elements in my games, but I don't play straight up RPGs is the combat sometimes kind of drags on when you're playing a game that is 40 plus hours. But in this game, I welcomed like, unless I was like damn near death on a cracker, my my party, like I welcomed every single combat opportunity because it was like, they're, they're so fun. It was so fun to do, to like go through a scenario, whether it's me of fighting one person and like in that situation, I'm just trying to do everything I can to not let them do in a single attack was always like my favorite thing to do. Or if I'm fighting a group of six people and I'm trying to like, can I take out half of this group before anybody attacks me? Or, you know, like it, it was mm-hmm. always like a different challenge that I had that. Um, I kind of set for myself whenever I got into a combat scenario. So like, I definitely sought out every like. I think in the in the overworld, you run and you see the enemies. It's not like you're doing random encounters or anything like that. You see the enemies. So um, I sought out every single fighting opportunity I could. You'd probably be into the. Um, <laughs> you'd you probably be into some of those YouTube videos because there's like, like such and such boss no hit run in Grandia 2 and I always thought that was fascinating where people were just like the system is so skill based to some extent like you can literally get to a boss like get through a boss fight without having them hit you if you play your cards exactly right <laughs> mm, yeah yeah that yeah I probably would like some of those because it, it just it was 
it's cool. It's so cool. Like, I, I think sometimes in games, it's like, oh, uh, like, the combat drags on. And you're just like, I just want to finish this. And you're just doing, like, your most powerful attack as you can to just, like, r- speed through. I was like, every single time, I was like, okay, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to approach this? And, like, I think that is testament to, like, when a, a combat system is really good. If, like, you're playing a game, I don't know, 30, 40 plus hours, and, like, you're not tired of the combat. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Um, so we didn't really talk about the characters. Really. Like, I just want to go over the party real quick and kind of like their specialties. So you have Ryudo. And also I should say that your party is kind of a fluid party in a lot of ways. So you have people entering and exiting your party pretty much throughout the entire game, which is another thing I thought was really neat because typically like a traditional JRPG, you just build up on people throughout the game and that's kind of like your party and you do have a couple people like that like um elena is there 90 percent of the game and she's kind of like um this songstress that she's got some pretty good magical abilities um i think typically considered like one of the main healers you have millennia which is kind of like a without saying too much like an alter ego of sorts for um elena and she's kind of like the glass cannon, like really powerful black mage lady. Well, it's it's millennia. You're saying is the um? I was saying yeah, millennia. Okay, because I was like Elena was like I I played her as the healer. Yeah, I was saying Elena is the healer, and then millennia I found like gotcha. black okay, mage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then Rowan, who was kind of like a very quick agile person that has really strong magic as well. Um, very good at canceling stuff. Merig is this kind of like beastly dude who's just kind of your power hitter. Not very um, magic focused, not very like fast, but he can just kind of take enemies out really quickly. And then you have Teo, who is a robot, and she's very fast. And I don't like, Teo is very like fast and technical. I, I like using Tio a lot, but yeah, I was trying to th- I was trying to think of like the, the 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 character archetypes, and I was like, what like uh, Elena was the white mage, Millennia was the black mage, Merig is the warrior or the barbarian or, or monk, something mm-hmm. like that. I guess maybe the barbarian or monk, and then Ryudo is the warrior, the fighter. Yeah, Rio is um, kind of like all around. Just Roan is probably like the rogue. And I don't know what Tio is. Yeah, see, like, I want to call Rowan the rogue because he has daggers and knives and he's really quick. But then he also has this, like, I remember looking it up. I think he has the highest magic stat. Hmm. So it's kind of like this weird thing where it's like, the bard. well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, because he does have like a, it's not a singing thing, but I think he can put enemies to sleep or something like that. Or maybe that's Elena. Elena can put enemies Elena to can. sleep. And then Tio is just like this, I don't know, she's a canceler slash ninja. Yeah. I guess she'd be kind of like the ninja character. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you you play as a party of up to four people, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just giving them commands and there's synergy between them. So sometimes you'll have to have somebody move so they're out of line for something or in hard mode, like, this is a strategy I had to use a lot. Um, 
Tio just has a really high evasion stat. So I would do that and then give her the skill called Decoy, which caused the enemies to kind of focus on her. So she'd kind of be off to the side and building up stuff to cancel enemy attacks or defend while everybody else is just kind of throwing their heaviest attacks at everybody else. And it's just some really good strategies that you can do and just a lot of, um, I don't know, I almost want to describe it like you're almost like the quarterback or the coach in football and you're just kind of like, okay, you're going to move here and this person's going to move here and they're going to attack this person while you run up the middle. <laughs> like it, there's just a lot going on and I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's 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 a blast. <laughs> and like you said too, like every character is like we were talking about like, you know, this is the the role or the class that they are, but like everybody plays so different and like they all fit and work together so well. Um so yeah, I uh did you have like a a, a favorite or like your go-to characters or at least favorite characters? Um I will say I was always bummed when I had Elena instead of Millennia. <laughs> That's the opposite. <laughs> Man. So, Millennia is just... Like, what I had to do on hard, and this is something like... It's a min-max thing, but you have those skills, and you get skills that are like, plus, like, greatly increase your fire damage, or greatly increase whatever. So those would stack. So... It'd be like she would have two of those fire things. Rowan would have two of his whatever skill I had on him, either ice or thunder or whatever. And they would literally just any like non-boss battle, those two would just melt everything so fast. <laughs> so fast. But um yeah, Millennia was probably like my go-to. Rowan was really good. I mean Ryudo's obviously super versatile. And Tio Tio is super clutch as well. Man, you said everything except for my boy Merig. <laughs> Merig's great in a boss fight. He was my favorite character. Because <laughs> I had like all the things on him. So he was doing like like damn near like at least 450 damage a hit. Um, and like anytime I did one of his special attacks, especially like the special attacks that did the cancel uh, as well, I was hitting for like three to 4,000 damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, I, I liked, I liked Elena more because, um, um, well, I, I, there was a give and take with me between Millennia and Elena cause I liked Elena for her spells, but granted I used the same exact egg for Millennia, but with Millennia, she had, she was the only character that really had a ranged attack. So even though like Elena, I think was the slowest character that I had, like movement wise, speed wise, but mm-hmm. it didn't become an issue with Millennia. So I could use her normal attacks and like hit somebody to cancel out stuff in a way like it, it changed up my entire strategy because she was the only character that had like she had that crossbow instead of like the staff. See, um, the thing is pretty much after like the first, I would say like first five hours of the game. I very, very rarely use combo or critical just because this game gives you so much healing on your magic, which it's, it's insane how much they allow you to heal your um, SP and your MP. <laughs> so yeah. I would literally go area to area and just use the powerful... Like, I didn't even have to use like my most powerful attacks. I would use like the 
AOE circle or line attacks. And I'd be perfectly fine, like, for most of it. Yeah, but yeah, I if guess, I was using I those combo sense. and criticals, that would make sense. Cause... I use combos and criticals a lot. But mostly with the with uh, uh, Merig and uh, Ryudo, I think with the other, I kind of I played them like a little bit, I guess I would say, traditional to their roles. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah, for my more fighter characters, I use, like, combo and critical. And then for my... Um, and I think it just depends, too, because I had skills. Like, I had skills that um, uh, you, your IP would... Uh, you would recover quicker if you used a physical attack, or you would recover quicker if you used a spell. Mm-hmm. So I definitely used those. And, oh, yeah. Um, I did, like, like I said, I went to every battle. All right, I did every battle I could possibly do. So um, when I was at the end of the game, I, I think I've read that you uh, you you got you unlocked a new skill every ten levels. Mm-hmm. So like I probably had the max amount of skills you could have uh, unlocked, or I, maybe right. not, I think up to level fifty. You you since you did more battles than I did, you probably did. Yeah, and that yeah. also I noticed you said you had seven eggs at the end. I'm pretty sure there's eight. So when you um. Near the end of the game, after you get off the... Once you get back to Granis or the planet, I'll say that much, um, there's an area you can go to that you went to before that... Um, it's the one with the river. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like... Um, there's they a have boat. like a little maze, like a maze in that river. Yeah, like, exactly. Okay, yeah. If you go back to that maze, there's a new egg there. It's not a great egg, but... Um, What's it called? There is... I think it's called a fairy egg. I might be wrong about okay, that. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't have that one. But, but like, I, I <laughs> kind of. One of it kind of sucks though, because um, if you go back to that maze, there's actually some really good stuff in there. So there's that egg. There's an item that's just like it sits in your inventory and it doubles the amount of XP you get. And then there's another item that you get that doubles your um, like either SP or MC. Dang. I can't remember. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I'm like, man, this is just completely optional, and they don't really advertise it that much. But yeah, yeah. The um, one of the things that uh, we were talking about, what we were saying before, then is um, yeah. By the end of the game, like I had pretty much, I think the the highest level you could level up an egg was like level ninety, and mm-hmm. I had pretty much all. I had at least four eggs level ninety, and then I had Jeez. like um. Um, all my all the the skills that I had unlocked were all level five. All the um, and then I think I had like two or three other eggs that were like at least sixty. So like I I did a lot. I, I kind of wish you could in a in a in a perfect world. I wish you could like pick and choose which spells you could give to each person because it mm-hmm. felt really weird that like. I had to use Rowan as my debuffer, or Tio. I think Tio was my debuffer because I really wanted it to be um, Elena because she had my most amount of uh, magic, uh, MP, magic power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, instead, I just kind of used her as the uh, and like Ryudo had the high, the best uh, healing spell. Even though Elena was my healer, <laughs> so like I, I kind of I didn't pay attention to the eggs um, until it was you know a little too late. Like so, like I think I had the chaos egg on Elena <laughs> the entire game. 
And yeah, I'm pretty sure I put Chaos Egg on Elena slash Millennia. Yeah, I had the Chaos Egg on her, and I think I had the Holy Egg on um, Rito. <laughs> hmm. um, the other thing, too, I wanted to call or ask was, like, with Millennia, was the wing, her wing special attack that she did, was that just on a timer? What do you mean on a timer? Oh, you're talking about her rage mode. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like a special ability that she had that you could use, but then also her her profile, like her picture or whatever would flash. And after a while, then like it would just randomly come out just out of the blue. She she has two different modes. She has her regular state. It's almost like... um, I can't think of a fighting game character that this would be equivalent to, but it's almost like a hidden meter. So you can use that attack passively, and it's perfectly fine, but... At some point, if she takes enough damage, she goes into, like, rage mode, and you lose control of her, but she normally starts with either her Wings of Valmar move. She can do any move, like, randomly from her little, like, move set when she's like that, but I think she does more damage, and you eventually get control of her. That's, like, the—honestly, that's, like, the biggest downside to her, in my opinion, just, like, losing control of her, but at max, I'd say it happens once per battle. Yeah, well, like for the lengthier ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I just wasn't sure about that because I was like, they don't really explain it. It's just like something that is you just accept. Um, so we had talked about like I I wanted to hop back to combat real quick <laughs> um, because we had talked about the good things. Came I just wanted to call out the the things that I didn't like. Um, I, well, again, we had already talked about like how I didn't use items or whatever, and I didn't necessarily feel like they were useful. We mentioned it, but I did not like the fact that we had to watch every single animation every single time. Oh yeah, they they should have been skippable. Like, I, yeah, I wish there was a way to like skip the especially animation. in the remaster. <laughs> and then the other thing was, I I never knew what I was hurt by. Like, um, like when I got a status effect. They weren't necessarily clear what my character was dealing with sometimes, because um, uh, there was um, there was a spell that cleared your character of I think poison and confusion, and then there was another spell that prevented your character like just removed a, just a generic any status effect from your character, and then there mm-hmm. was another one that prevented your attacks from being blocked. And there was a couple times where I cast the one thinking my character was poisoned or confused, and they were just, like, something completely different. Um, I Probably as a me thing, but I just was like, I wish there was, like, a, a a key or something in the pause menu where you could just see what each icon meant. There needed you... to be a tutorial or, like, something in config that just said, like, hey, here's all the status effects, and here's, like, a literally, like, a one-page little booklet yeah, you just something, and like it, it didn't really pop up that much. I think at the end too, you could get hit with the plague, um, and I also that was another one where I was just like, how do I get rid of this thing? Um, and then I just was like, oh, I have this item that just gets rid of all status effects, so I just bought a whole bunch of those, and I just use those whenever I would have something because I was like, I can't like I, there has been so many times where I tried to use an item or a spell and it didn't take something away because it wasn't the right spell or whatever. Um, and then the, um, I just thought of another one and, uh, but I can't, it's going to come back to me. It's going to come back to me. Um, did you have any complaints or anything about combat or just 
what we've talked about up to now? No, I think you nailed it on the head with the whole, like, not being able to skip um, the attacks or whatever, like the special attacks. Because some of those are really long, like um, Elena's and Millennia's in specific, just like anytime they did one of their... Granted, you're doing like the most powerful moves in the game. Right, right. But it's like a 30-second thing. But um, that was a little annoying. And I don't know. It's like... I feel like the cancel thing should have... Could have been a little bit more clear in a couple cases. Like, I'm trying to even think about what I'm trying to say here. But, like... There's a... There's a risk-reward to it. And it's like... If you can time your cancel right when they're attacking you, like when they're in their attack animation, then you can get like a super cancel. But that is such a hard thing to line up in any way. I wish there was just more opportunities. Like I wish that was a little bit more like fleshed out, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, Because it was like at that point it was like, because you're guessing, time. like, there's 20 seconds, but, you know, not 20 seconds, but, like, yeah, at least yeah. a good 10 <laughs> seconds, and you're like, okay, their meter's here, their meter's here. Yeah, you're I like, think okay, this if I do this attack, startup. my character will get to here, but will he swing in time? <laughs> oh, God, I did Millennia's Critical. This is going to take 30 seconds on its own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anytime um, she's like, ready? I'm like, okay, well, let me just get knocked out and probably killed in the process. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the other thing was... Um, uh, I, I at least for me in the very beginning, I did not understand how combat was going on. So like they they I think I even messaged the group and I was like, "Yo, how do you do combat?" And then you said, "Well, once you get to the general inn or the general store, I should say, there's a guy there that'll explain it to you." And like I felt like maybe even using him as the I think he mentions there's all these status effects, but even like having him as like an explainer would have been helpful for like stats and for status stuff. Because um, I definitely did all the training tutorials with him when I, as I unlocked them, just to feel like I had complete control and knew what I was doing in combat. Because it was originally overwhelming to be like, okay, what does this do versus why would I do this over this? Um, but yeah, I completely understand you, like the 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 gymnastics you had to do to kind of time like. Okay, am I gonna cancel this thing, or I'm gonna, or I'm gonna uh, get canceled? Exactly, because <laughs> like you, you, you're attacking pretty regularly, but it's not like every five seconds type of regularly. So, I, I, I had a little bit. I don't know if I think I played on normal mode, um, but uh, I'm curious if on the hard mode you dealt with this. But like. It wasn't clear when or why some characters were better at causing attacks to whiff or dodging things. That, I mean, always, that's a stat. I think that's either move like or... Certain, uh, certain... I think like the dog creatures mm-hmm. um, were one of the ones that I, I noticed that did it a lot. And I, I just... I wasn't sure if there was like something that i was missing like because it seemed like certain attacks they whiffed way more frequently than other attacks your characters or the dogs the the, the dogs with the, the dogs dodged my attacks way more oh, frequently anytime an enemy has like evasion like that and i mean like a creature like a dog's gonna do that if you use magic or a skill that like skills are unblockable and magic's unblockable or undodgeable from my understanding gotcha 
I think that would have been like the only thing I wish they had added was not to say that they need to go like full on fallout or anything like that, but just like being able to like see the percentages. Not even percentages, because I think that might be too much, but just like this is an invasive type of enemy, or I I don't know, or like Mm -hmm. because I I felt like I was trying to set up Rowan for me to be the evasive Dodger type character. But like ultimately, Teal was way better at it for me than than Rowan was, even though I was giving him like skills and 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 things to make up his what I thought mm-hmm. would be to to dodge, and she was doing it way more frequently than he was. Yeah, Tia. I forgot what specifically about Tia makes her so good. Like, she has abilities like inherent stuff that makes her good at dodging. On top of just like. You can just put skill stuff on her, and she's pretty much untouchable. Aside yeah. from like special attacks, her her ring toss cancellation move so good, so good, so good. And it's the only one of its type because it's like the one where you have a line where you can just cancel multiple things at once. Like every character has a cancel special ability as well, but most of them are just like one hit, you know, things. But hers yeah. is a line. Yeah, and then so, so clutch. Yeah, for her, I had made her like um, have super powerful. Um, let me rephrase this. So one of the things I was reading is if you could stack uh, like the spells. Mm-hmm. So like you know like oh which you if can you get level five. Yeah, if you get level five fire um, with this spell, if you stack another one, it makes it. It basically makes it an instant cast. And uh, so I had her as instant cast for, for, I think it was for wind. And I, I didn't ever find out because she has like a wind skill as well. And mm-hmm. I didn't know if that just made it do like hella damage or not. But that move was so weird because it always sucked up everybody on the playing field, even though you're even your own teammates. Yep. And I was always anticipating them to like just get killed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That stuff. Like, but man... That Tio cancel, I couldn't have beaten hard mode without it because, especially on most of those Volmar fights or whatever, where it has like Hell its enemies. body <laughs> and then like seven limbs right next to it or whatever, and you're like, okay, well this one's gonna hit me. If this one attacks, it's gonna hit everybody for two thousand. If this one attacks, it's gonna hit everybody for like a thousand and probably cancel that stuff. And then I just have to pray for Tio to be like right at the right spot where I could cancel both of those at the same time. Yeah, I think for me, the the, the beginning of the because she was always the first person that went for me, so mm-hmm. it was like if I cast like the 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 wind attack that do, that goes in a line, if I cast that, I'll kill everybody. Like if one of those normal enemies, um, but then like for the bosses and everything, it was just kind of like. Like you said, I was just like, okay, I need to focus on this one character and I'm just going to eat all these hits from everybody else <laughs> and just like try to use Elena as like the the healer and just keep topping everybody off versus, you know, basically everybody else is the damage dealer and she's just, you know, topping them off to make sure they stay alive. Um, anything else about combat? I, I do want to touch the story a little bit, just real quick. Um, no, nothing else that I can think of. It was just mad, mad fun. Just, yeah. I really, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that we talked probably about 35, 40 minutes about the combat should 
hopefully yeah. tell our listeners that the combat's good. The combat's <laughs> very good. Yeah. Um, going back to the plot, and I'm just going to very quickly kind of summarize things. Um, so you're Ryudo. He's a geohound, and um, he essentially gets hired to escort Elena, who's this songstri- songstress of this religion called Granis, which is kind of like essentially not Christianity, but Christianity of this world. Um, there's a ritual stuff happens. Um, Elena essentially gets possessed by Valmar. Also take all of this with a grain of salt because there's a lot of story in this game. It's 30 something hours about how long did it take you to beat it? I think it was like 40 ish for me. And like I told you, I had that, that my, my game clock got messed up because I, um, left it on. Well, I left it on. I I was playing on switch. So I always left it on, but like I left it on, but not at an in. And it, I, I, so I had just paused it and I didn't realize that that was going to count like the time where you had the game paused. So I came back like 18 hours later and I was like at 12 hours when I paused it, and then when I went to go save it, it was at like 30, 30 hours. And I was like, well, shoot, now my game time is off. Mm. Dang. Yeah, I think mine was about 36, but that doesn't include um, the amount of times I died, which would have added at least two to three hours. Also does not include the crashes that I got on the Steam version, which account for probably two or three hours by itself. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later, because <laughs> as much as I like this game, I am not a fan of the PC port. <laughs> um, you got it on Switch, man. <laughs> uh, should have freaking it played on Dreamcast on my PC. Anyway, <laughs> um, essentially Valmar, which is essentially Satan, not Satan of this world, um, possesses, a part of it possesses Elena and creates this new form of her called Millennia. So now you're traveling the world with Elena, well, Yuriudo, and you're traveling with Elena, who occasionally transforms into Millennia. And you're pretty much like, what's the main escort mission at the beginning? Do you remember, like, the. I, I, I don't, I think you have to, like,. I don't remember what Ryu the, the initial one that he does for her dad or whatever. I think he has to take her to the church or something like that. Right? Right. Re- okay, so according to this, Ryu Ryudo is asked by um priest dude whose name escapes me right now to escort Elena. That's to... too far. That's too far actually. No, no, no. So the initial one, he's hired by the church to escort her to the Garmia Tower for a ceremony. We already went through the ceremony, though. Oh, oh, oh so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so you're essentially given the secret mission. Now that she's possessed, you want to have her cleansed. So along the way, they meet um, Roan first, who's... Um, you find out pretty soon that he's kind of royalty. They, they allude to it a lot, actually. And then after that, you meet Merig, who's this beast man who was after Ryudo's brother Melfis, who apparently, one, he created a giant atrocity in his hometown and kind of distanced himself from Ryudo, and then two, slayed a lot of people in Merig's place. 
So um, I, I kind of assumed that happened in the first game. That was in my head canon. I was oh like, no, oh. super no! None of these characters are recurring. Oh, so I thought I, I just assumed Melfus was like a character you played in the, or he was a character in the first game. Okay, never mind. No, when I say JRPGs have nothing to do with each other, like I can say this with ninety nine percent confidence, not knowing the plot of Grand Grandia One. None of these characters have anything to do with anybody from the first game while you're talking (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be shocked um but anyway they arrive and um essentially um the pope asks to speak with ryudo and then there's essentially a new request that's made of the team now that they've got um elena this place they want ryudo to find the grana saber and the significance behind that is the Grana Saber is essentially the only weapon that can allegedly beat Falmar. So um, Ryuto agrees to that, and let's see, I'm trying to just hit the high points of this because there's a lot. Um, you kind of find out this interesting backstory of Roan, where you kind of figured out he's royalty, but it's officially confirmed at this point. But then you also find out that his people were like, <laughs> they were hailing Valmar. So they were essentially hailing Satan to some extent. So, And they actually sided with Valmar in the ancient war, but they've done a pretty good job of covering that up. And it kind of gets into the inevitable JRPG ambiguity of God. And it's like, well, were we actually the evil people? You know, Valmar had some good ideas. <laughs> um, but essentially, um, shortly after that, you encounter Melfis. Melfis and um, Ryudo and Marigold fight and all that stuff. And Ryudo ultimately um, goes to their hometown, kills um, Melfis. And... I think it's not too long after this that you find Teo. Do you remember if you find Teo before or after Melfus? You kill Melfus. Um, I think it's after because I think she's like a, a bot that was created to like guard where he was at, right? Um, or was it a bot to guard Velmar? Oh, I think it I think it's right before because you leave Rowan back in Sirem. Because Roland's not around when you kill Melfus, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he once you yeah once you get to the Sirem, once you finish out that area, he stays behind. So then it's just you with Merig and uh, Elena slash Millennia. Right, and then you get Teo who act who gets activated by Melfus, I think. And then essentially you go back to Ryudo's house hometown. Pretty much everybody there is super down on the dude, and it's like Elena's like, "Dang, why does everybody hate you?" <laughs> And um, he's like, it's a long story. You kind of figure out the backstory where, like, Melfis was in love with um, this girl who was, I believe she was possessed by Valmar. And in the process, he kind of kills her and in the process gets possessed himself, goes mad. Um, You handle all the Melfis stuff now. So theoretically, like, everybody's like, oh, well, I'm at peace. And Merrick's like, well... I was really just hanging with you guys to kill Melfis, but, you know, we might as well hang out for a little bit longer. (laughs) 
And you go to his hometown, some stuff happens. Eventually, um, you end up, I think it's right after Merrick's village where you meet Selene again, the high priestess. She and pops up randomly a couple, couple it, times. She pops up randomly a couple times, but like this time, she's like super down with the church. So she is like pretty much like number two in the church hierarchy, from what I can tell. But she's, she's doing like high priestess, and she has like a whole white knight type of crew that rolls with her. Yeah, just like literally burn down a town because they're like, "Hey, we hear there's somebody with Valmar stuff here. Let's burn it down." And this last time you see her, she um, she kind of like sacrifices herself or gives herself to Valmar, I'd like to say. And it's just like, you, as a player, you're like, why is she this high priestess of Granis all of a sudden trying to get like possessed by Valmar and doing all this weird stuff? And pretty much the plot's not going to make much sense at this point because this is kind of typical JRPG nonsense, but you find out that the Granis Saber that you're trying to find to kill Valmar is a ship. You end up going to... Um, I'm trying to think about... You You go to um, the cathedral you were at at the very beginning of the game, and you meet Zara, who kind of reveals his whole stick, and that's like, hey, um, Valmar actually killed Granis. So, essentially it's saying Satan killed God, and um, he wants to revive Valmar by using Elena, and he abducts her to the moon. I guess the moon of Valmar, but I just call it the moon. So you take the Grana Saber, <laughs> you take this sword to the moon, and um, you save Elena in the process of escaping... Merrick gets critically injured by a freaking, um... My boy, R.I.P. Yeah, he, he gets hit by a, um... I can't even think of the freak... Mosquito. Essentially, he gets mo- <laughs> mortally wounded by a giant mosquito. This really memeable cutscene happens where he's like, Hey, Valmar, or no, hey, Grannis, are you listening? Give me all that you got. And then, like, you just see him get swarmed by all these enemies, and he's super dead as you escape from the moon. And then he you end back... He himself, basically, for you guys. Yeah, he. I mean, he's a real one. I don't want to, like, downplay his sacrifice, but that cutscene, for some reason, like, I remembered so little of this game. Like, I remembered literally so little of this game. And honestly, I the only thing I really remembered going in was, I was like... I'm pretty sure Merrick dies, and then I got super confused because I was 99% sure that Melfis was going to be the one to kill Merrick because that's just how it happened in my mind. No, this man dies on the moon. (laughs) What a way to go. What a way to go. Just not even, he doesn't even need like oxygen. He just dies on the moon. Everybody's just breathing regularly up there. (laughs) But you land back down on the earth, and you're like, hey, I need to really kill Zara. And, um,. Pretty much, you go to um, you go underground. You do a lot of fights against pieces of Valmar, and ultimately you do in Zera, in Valmar, and everything, from my understanding. So, well, everything bad. 
and peace is restored to the world. Um, I so a couple of things we don't have to like go too too far into it, but I really didn't like the end. I, I kind of at a certain point I was like, I'm not here for the story. I'm here for the combat. Mm-hmm. But I did not like the fighting different pieces of Valmar section of the game. Not that it was difficult, but I just was like, I just wanted to fight like a big bad. And it was like very underwhelming to fight like, I don't know. I, I didn't, I it, didn't really enjoy that the way that was handled. I was, I was hoping like, I'd rather have fought like a boss that has like three forms or something mm-hmm. versus fighting four forms of I, separate I know, where you can restore between each one. It's very safe. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I just didn't really i was just like wow this is like because those are retreading bosses too like they're just reused right yeah i think the only one i think one of them was i don't remember which one it was if it was the eyes or the the one that kept spawning a whole bunch of enemies Mm -hmm. um but yeah it was just kind of like uh not not my favorite part yeah i mean to its defense the very very final boss is original like you fight Possess Zero or whatever, I think. And that was its own fight. But yeah, that one I, was also not... I think even on the guide I was looking at, it's like, this isn't really like... It was challenging, but it wasn't like the hardest fight by any means. Yeah, because I think... I think the It would have been maybe if you fought like all of those things at the same time or something like that. Like, you can't, you can't attack Zera until you defeat these four things or something like that because once when whenever you were in a situation where you were fighting one thing with your four characters it was like oh buddy you're never going to attack <laughs> like <laughs> boy you might want to look into hard mode cuz they like the IP gauge like I know I complained about it a little bit during the group chat but the IP gauge on some of those bosses is just absolutely ridiculous like how fast they do like I can't even remember what boss it was. I think it was like the heart of Almar or something that I got stuck on. And I was just like looking around Steam. I'm like, normally the people that play JRPGs are like kind of elitist about it. In a, like every community has their elitist. But like normally they're like, oh, well, if you just do this debuff and blah, blah, blah. And like, no, this is this seems a little broken. Because like up to that point in the game, I was cruising. But then like hard mode is really weird because I don't think a lot of the stuff is actually harder. It's like... They only rebalanced some certain bosses, certainly adjusted some certain fights. But those when fights, you, man. When you say rebalance, is it like are they throwing more enemies or the enemies just attack quicker? Or like what is the thing that you think is happening? I think they they act quicker, like by a large, large margin. So like I'd I'd have to have a point of reference, but I'd almost anticipate double speed on some of that stuff. And then just damage-wise, I think they're a lot more aggressive. So there was... Um, I don't remember which one it was, but there was one that kept spawning like those mosquitoes that had killed Merrick, and that was the only one that I had issues with because I knew... like At that point, I think it was the third or fourth form or the fourth version of or part of Valmar you had to fight. And it was pretty much like, ignore all the side things, just attack the Valmar piece. So you'll take damage... But uh, just attack it. And that one, um, the mosquitoes, there were so many mosquitoes. Like, I think every other fight, I think at most you fought six, maybe seven enemies. And I felt like this one, there was like 13. 
and they attacked so quickly that, like you said, it was like, oh, um, my person got hit three times before they got to do their attack. And these things were taking a decent amount of damage. And then on top of that, too, they were causing status effects. So like, oh, my person fell asleep or, oh, now my person is confused or poisoned or whatever. And so like that one was like one where I was like, I literally have 200 HP with this last character and the rest of my characters are dead. And like, mm-hmm. do I attack this thing or do I like try to revive these characters or, or what? And I remember that being the first time, like I, I didn't ever have a game over or like had to fight an enemy more than once. I never failed out of a fight. That was the first one where like, even when I defeated him, mm-hmm. one of my characters was dead. So like didn't get any XP or anything on that. And I had to revive him after the fight because, um, Yeah. Uh, I, the other thing I was going to ask is, was there less save points for you or anything like that? I'm assuming mm-hmm. not. No, the 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 um, save points were the same. The one thing I also forgot was health goes way, way up, from my understanding, on hard. The, the enemy's health? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Like, by thousands, like, multiple thousands. I think if I was to rebalance the game, because I, I felt like there was a, a egregious amount of save points in this game, or like at least change the mechanics so it doesn't like it revives your health, but maybe not your your mana and your or something like that. That would be a typical JRPG thing to do. Like e- even reviving the health is kind of like overly nice, in my opinion. Yeah, it just it, like maybe make it do one but not all three things because <laughs> like when you were saying like, yeah, I was running around just using my spells willy nilly because there was so many save points that it was just like, you were going to get them back. And I was thinking like, what's the point of an in if like you can do the, this anywhere? <laughs> exactly. Uh, and you could just go like, you could fight a battle and then just run immediately back. <laughs> yep. You yep, know? Yep. Which is convenient when you're, like, just trying to get through something, but it just kind of felt like, I was like, wow, it really feels like I'm gaming the system, where this game could be a little bit more difficult. Um, But, I don't know, I don't think necessarily the game being harder would have made it any better or worse or anything. It's just something that I observed that I was just like, man, this this particular aspect is very easy. Trivializes a lot of it. Like I'm, I pulled up this video of like the body of Valmar in hard mode, and it's a 32 minute fight, and that's like not an uncommon thing, like for some of the bosses on hard mode, which yeah, I don't yeah. feel like that would be. <laughs> I definitely had like a boss or two, and this was earlier in the game. I had a boss or two that took me a good 20 to 25 minutes to fight, and I think partly was it me trying to get my my flow down, and also just at the time my characters weren't doing enough damage. Um, or what they were doing by the end of the game, but I definitely had a um, a couple of lengthy boss fights earlier in the game. Um, do you have anything? I feel like uh, we kind of went through the story, and I don't really, story-wise, I kind of like checked out by, I would say the back half. I was just like, not that I disliked it, but it was just going all over the place, and I was just like, eh, I'm just here for the combat. And it, no. you know. Yeah, I... I enjoyed the story because it's not original original, but it it's unique enough. It's its own story. It doesn't feel like it's completely retread. Like, it uses a lot of tropes, like the whole, like, we're gonna kill God at the end of this trope, and like, you know, I mean, there's tons of JRPG tropes. There's tons of story tropes. But I thought they did a good enough job of making the characters feel original and um, you know, 
it it kept me engaged. The voice acting, not great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, cool, cool. That was another one of my dislikes. I was like, man, these VOs are stiff AF. <laughs> <laughs> you got to remember, it was it is one of the earlier voice actors. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure, like, but like, it, it, but in a way, this, so like it to me, it was endearing in Shinmu, and this is the mm-hmm. this is the. It's not endearing. It's just it's just bad. It's like the same quality. It's just not like. You're not looking for somebody Chinese uh, in Grandia. <laughs> so. uh, I would say Shinbu was somewhat better. It somewhat, I found it a little bit endearing. Like it was really interesting hearing young. I think it's Laura Bailey was the one that did um, Elena. But essentially, she's one of the most prominent voice actors, and she still does stuff. Um, let me make sure it's her. Grandia too. Or am I mixing? It? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It just it to me it was very stiff and like there's nothing wrong with that. And I know like this was like it wasn't like there was a whole lot of examples of good voice acting at the time. So like I t- definitely with a grain of salt. But it was just something that stood out because um, I was willing to overlook the you know PS. I think that's disrespectful. The gra- the, the the graphic style for the cutscenes mm-hmm. it was a little rough. But I was willing to look over it because it definitely was a look. But I think some of the voice acting, I was like, especially because I was playing a remaster, I was like, you would have thought they would have kind of at least redid this part, you know? Oh, no. <laughs> so it was Jennifer Hale. She does Femchep. Yeah, yeah. That was when yeah, I recognized her name, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I don't know. It, was, it would always um, kind of crack me up, like... One of Ryudo's main things, or at least like I had the tornado skills on him, and every time he's like spiral wind, tear him up. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it would crack me up every single time. <laughs> uh, or gotta work even harder when I just, every like, time you win. Mareg sounded like uh, like when people do like the trope for like a, a, just, a an angry like blue collar worker. Like, he's very gruff. I smoked four cigarettes today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. It was very. I. I. I missed him when he was. When he's gone. Did you. Did you catch or did you see that item that was in your uh, after he passed after he died? The one that gives you all of his like. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that you saw that because I was reading a like I was reading a guide and then I saw that I was like, Are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of surprised they did it, and like I'm, I'm of two different minds. Like, it's nice, but I do think it kind of like cheapens that player impact a little bit. Of like, oof, it's like, well, guess I just got to redistribute the wealth. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know? I just remember, like, it makes me think of like my <laughs> my my brother Trevor. Um, the very first time he played. <laughs> The very first time he played Mass Effect, <laughs> when you have that cutscene on, I think it's, I don't know if it's Vermeer or whatever, where you have to choose between uh, fighting, like, basically, you either kill Rex or you convince him to not die, or, like, to, to be reasoned with. 
And you have to have a certain level of um, Paragon or whatever to be able to talk to him in order to convince him to stay. Otherwise, he just, like, gets killed. And I remember in my brother's game, he didn't. So he died. And he was, like, the very first thing he said is, man, I just gave him my good shotgun and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, it makes me think of Merrick because it's the same kind of gruff voice. And I just imagine, like, somebody feeling like, man, I just gave him all this, like, uh, mana points and, and skill points and now he's dead. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, the first time I played through the game I don't remember knowing that so I feel like I took the hit there. But... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know it until like a couple hours later. Like I was just looking at a guide and I was like, oh, this thing. Because I, I was kind of like tracking along to see if I had missed anything. I think I, I, I got stuck um... I'm trying to think. What was the name of the temple that was like three stories that you had to light up with the little the three different lights? Oh, um, I know what you're talking. Like close to the end game. Yeah, I got stuck there because I was like, "How do I get to the third floor?" And that was run. ambiguous. Yeah, so I had to pull up a walkthrough, and that's when I saw that. Oh, if you do this thing, then you can. If you use this item, you get his point. And I was like, "Oh, well, let me do that." <laughs> But yeah, like I, I didn't have any other issues beyond like as far as like progressing or dungeons or anything besides that one section where I was just like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Like I see where I'm supposed to go. I just don't know how to unlock it to get there. Yeah, it, it's a very linear JRPG. Yeah, even down so, to the like, I don't think you really, which which kind of blew my mind when you were talking about the fairy egg. I don't think there's a lot of backtracking to... I think, mm -mm. in fact, you're, like, kind of locked out of going to some previous towns and things like that. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, the other thing you wouldn't that. know, because um, you played on Switch, originally, Grandia 2 was a two-disc game. And I'm pretty sure that disc swap happened, you know, when you get on that ship and it's like, hey, you're not going to be able to come back here. The cliffs? The cliffs? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I'm pretty sure that's where that happens, and, like, this is kind of, kind of a thing of the era where once you got to a new disc you kind of like got okay, locked yeah, out of the stuff I, from I, the previous disc make that makes sense and i didn't even think about that um i did not think about that so yeah that makes total sense um yeah um i think really we talked about all the things that i um disliked i guess i would say uh, and liked so it, it was it was a very short list uh, overall i, I really this was a this was a welcome surprise. I didn't think I was going to enjoy this game as much as I did. As not necessarily because I felt the game looked bad, or just because it was a, a JRPG, and I normally don't play these types of games. Agreed. I, so I've I've been looking up stuff on hard mode. So Body of Almar was the one I really like. Just hit a wall on for a while, and according to this person, which um, I don't know how credible they are, they say the. Body of Almar seems to have a 50% action increase for all parts and 50% attack strength increase. So draw in and then hit... Okay. Then hit by both arms will take 80% or more of your HP off accurate. So, yeah, they they just... Being, um, they body you in that fight. But yeah, going back to just kind of summarizing things, I really enjoyed my time with this game. Um... It's a very original JRPG, both in terms of like, I shouldn't say super original in terms of story, but it's original enough there. 
And then the combat is very innovative, and um, I would like to see this play style. I wish more people played Grania 2, I think is what I'm trying to say here. Like, there's a timeline where this game was popular, and people were like, oh man, this combat system is incredible. Let's use it for, let's say, 50% of the JRPGs that come out down the road. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of parallels between this and um, kind of Final Fantasy VII Remake's battle system, where you take... It's still a JRPG, but you're doing active moves, but... At certain points, you build up a gauge where you hit X, and then things go into slow motion, and then you can do very specific things. So, I feel like it's kind of almost a natural evolution of this battle system in some ways. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, and hopefully more games take a more, I guess, innovative approach to um, this type of combat. Well, I don't know if you did any looking to see about the other games, but let me tell you, um, one, this is the last, the HD collection slash remaster is the last um, games that the game arts, the, the developer slash publisher has put out. I don't think they closed. I think they're still in business, but the so these things that they did, I guess they did in 2019, the HD collection for Switch and the remaster for PC. Um, which is also another thing. They did the HD remaster for PC in 2015 for two, but then they did the HD remaster for the first game in 2019. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I looked at just the Grandia series on Wiki. And I think this one is, at least on Metacritic, it looks like it is the highest rated of the games. But there is Grandia that came out in 97. Uh, Grandia Digital Museum, which is uh, came out on PC, or excuse me, uh, uh, PlayStation, but only in Japan. Grandia 2, which came out 2000. They also came out with Grandia Par- Parallel Trippers, which also came out in 2000. And it's the only game that you, it uses the same characters and music from the first Grandia game. Um, mm-hmm. But it's Japan release only on Game Boy Color. Uh, and then you were talking about the battle system. They came out with Grandia Extreme. and you know I have Grandia Extreme. You know it's extreme because it's extreme with the, uh, starting with the X. They just dropped the first E. I um, am... That's give me two seconds. I'm looking at my copy right now. It's PS2, and apparently uses the same battle system from Grandia 2, but it's improved. It's so been you- a very long time since I've played it. I'm watching gameplay now, and it is um, very similar. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, you might want to check that out if you wanted some more Grandia action. It looked like it only came out on PS2. It came out in Japan on the PSN network in 2014. Uh, so <laughs> if you have a... Uh, a what what is the what's the word um non-region locked uh <laughs> but <laughs> again like it's, it's got like a 70 ish on game uh, or 68 on metacritic ign awarded it the seventh most challenging ps2 game of all time <laughs> wow yeah which is very interesting and then they had grandia 3 which i didn't know there was a grandia 
Um, Mm -hmm. And that came out on PS2. And then they came out with Grandia Online, which was an MMORPG. Um, And that was out uh, Japan only from 2009 to 2012. Uh, Yeah, that was the last, I guess, Grandia thing they've done as far as a new game besides doing these uh, HD remaster slash uh, collection that they... Yeah, that's where we're at with Grandia. So, great game, great experience. I would say, uh, what's between good and great? We'll say very good. Very good game. Very good experience. Not so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm there with you. I think this is a very good, a very good game. I I thoroughly enjoyed this game. It's like, again, the combat cannot wax enough uh, about how thoroughly I enjoyed the combat and just the level up mechanics in this game. I definitely allowed me to kind of overlook some of the story stuff. Don't think the story is bad. It's just again, like I'm, I'm not super well versed in, and the the cheese or the the eye rolling in, that <laughs> goes into <laughs> playing a JRPG game when it comes to the story and how ridiculous it can be. Um, so uh, yeah, I think the story or the 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 combat in the level up system is definitely good enough to warrant checking out even if you have no interest in any of the other stuff yeah <sighs> well do we have anything else for grandia 2 i don't think we have anything else for grandia 2 <laughs> well uh well that concludes miss checkpoints <laughs> so we wanted to save this part for the end but um i don't think that we will continue with the show um, it's been a fun, almost five years. I think we kind of got some clarity. Um, I know well myself, I got some clarity. Um, I know Trevor stepped away when he had a, a second daughter. I know uh, things here in the U.S. Um, have been pseudo returning back to normal as far as COVID stuff. So there's been more events and everything. So I know Greg, he's been a... He's an avid, I mean, that's how I met him, but he's a fighting game player and going to tournaments, and he's, he's, he's pretty good at Street Fighter V. He's pretty good. And um, I know he's been traveling more for that and having less time to do this, and uh, I know for me as well, like, I am expecting a kid in September, and I knew that it would be difficult to try to kind of continue to do the show while also having like a new person in my life so i was thinking originally i was like i wanted i wanted us to hit 100 episodes and then and that would be the main episodes including the um the bonus episodes and i think we would be i think right now we're like at 96 or this will maybe do 97 but um i i knew that when greg kind of backed out and I, because he was, you know, just not having as much time as well. And, in like, he's done a phenom- phenomenal job, like, balancing, doing this. Plus, mm-hmm. I know he has two twin twin kids. So, like, um, I kind of feel like I'm punking out in a sense. Because I know, like, both of those dudes had kids and were able to do it. And I'm, like, saying, like, oh, you know, I can't do it with one. But I just, I didn't have the uh, desire to keep doing this if... And putting in the, the time and effort and like... Let, let, let me help you out. 
I have zero kids, and it was starting to get a little rough for me too. So yeah, okay. there you go. Thanks. Yeah, and we we had talked about like maybe cutting down and and, and doing it less frequently. Um, it, it's not. I don't want to say it's a burnout thing. It's just like difficult to schedule around like your actual life to like like not every time that we we play a game I, I know Dante said this earlier he only picks games that he feels like he's gonna like um but I, I don't necessarily think that we are choosing games that we don't like but I think sometimes it was just like this game isn't inspiring to me or like it's a drag or I'm not really feeling this game or alternatively I don't have enough time um you know I'm seeing family like I know, like usually around Christmas time, that was like a, a, a tricky time because people are in and out and and things. So um, I think we had a pretty good, successful run. There are things that I wish that we were able to accomplish. There were some things that uh, I think we were contemplating changing up the format a little bit uh, with with Greg leaving and it just being me and Dante. We also talked about, like I said, um, maybe doing it on a, on a quarterly or a seasonal basis to kind of prevent the burnout and everything. But I, I think for me personally, while I enjoy doing this and would, I look forward to talking with. Yeah. My, just, my just because this is ending doesn't mean that you won't hear or see from us ever again. Yeah. Who knows? Like anything can happen. Not yeah, really yeah. opening any doors, but I'm also not completely shutting anything either. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of like, you know, like I think at the very least we needed two, maybe three people to keep this thing going. And that were all, I would say two people that were all in and I, and I myself didn't feel like I was all in on it. And, um, I, I think I definitely need to step away, but I think it seemed like a lot of people were, or at least, uh, Greg was feeling that too. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think any, like, Trevor might have been all in when we got back, but that was kind of it. Exactly, exactly. So, so um, yeah, so I just thought, you know, we'll step away. It's, it's a shame we didn't quite make the five-year or the uh, 100 episodes mark, but we had a blast. Uh, I had a blast doing this mm-hmm. and talking with the homies. And it'll actually probably be something that I... Um, I, I'm not saying like I'm gonna hit up Dante and be like, "Yo, we should play this game," and then just like talk about it or whatever. But I definitely like, I, I shoot, I actually might do that. So let me not say I'm not gonna do it. So hey, man, I got I got this thing called Twitch TV. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and you know, like I I, I I joked about it before, but um, I um, you know, I'm just I'm just gonna start up a you know a um, Yakuza podcast now. So. <laughs> see me in Camarocho no but you know like it's just you know uh, I I'm not trying to ramble but I, I really did enjoy doing this and talking with talking with my friend getting yeah. their thoughts and opinions and disagreeing with them and agreeing with them and, and sharing that with y'all so yeah, it was always like even even when it got frustrating at times it was still like I would complain to one of my friends I'm like man I gotta play this game I really I'm not feeling and I gotta and you know like I don't want to rank anything but like you and me pretty much finished anything we started for the most part like we almost always got to the end so I know I put you through a lot of things 
you put me through a lot of things, but we all like we got to to the other end and yeah, and I, yeah. and I will say that there was some games that like I I won't say some. I would say a good majority of these games I would not have played had it not been for the podcast. And that's good, bad, or you know, ugly. Where it's like, you know, I've been okay, never having played Evil Within in my life, to be honest. But now I have like a story to tell about when I tried to play it. Um, and then likewise, like I probably would have never picked up like Dead Cells. I probably would have never picked up Shinmu and like. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy those games and, and then having played them and experienced them and those yeah, are the, like things that I will like want other games to to achieve for me. So um, I hope I hope I did the same when I when I introduced you know Greg and Trevor to Into the Breach and hoping that they take took something away from that or you know when we played Return of the Oberdin or Celeste or it, whatever. So and, even and I guess <laughs> that was kind of like my. Um blessing and curse in some ways like pretty much i could speak to anything but at the same time like almost all the games you guys wanted to play i had played or at least it felt like that so like i would say well over 50 percent of the games we played were probably replays for me which it was good because like most of them like okay i already have a history with this game but you know it was like one of those things i'm like man i want to play something new right now yeah, yeah. I think we all had, like, <clears throat> um, different, I don't want to say growing pains, but different things we wanted to get out of it. Like, you know, for me, I wanted to play, like, kind of cult classic indie games that I had heard about and never had an opportunity to play. So, like, I, I think, like, right off the bat, we played, like, Beyond Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, we had played um, Syndicate, uh, like, uh, Ninja Gaiden. I think, like, those were, like, the... Chronicles of Riddick, I think some of those games were, like, right in the wheelhouse of, like, what I was wanting to do, Grim Fandango, um, and then I, I think, like, with you, like you said, you you, you wanted to play, I, I won't say you wanted to play new games, but you wanted to, like, not just play games you've already played, and... Uh, yeah, I, what I would try to do, mostly, like, this is my thinking, at least, and after I returned... We kind of had, like, an indie focus, which is perfectly fine. Like, I know Trevor's really big into indie games and, like, kind of, like, either indie or retro. And I kind of wanted to balance that with a couple newer games or, like, more bigger budget things. So, like, we didn't really play too many AAA games. So, that's why I put Rise of the Tomb Raider on there. Even though I know, like, one, it was the middle part of a trilogy. And two, it's like, I knew, like... Most of you probably didn't have too big of an interest in it, but it was kind of like forcing you guys to eat your vegetables in some ways. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it so. was the same thing. It was like we all have our gaming biases. So like like you said, Trevor really was more into indie stuff, and I know Greg was more into action-style action, action style games, like combat-focused games. And then me, I, I felt like I was kind of down for whatever. And I know it sometimes, too, when I was making lists, I was, like, in the back of my mind being like, okay, we haven't played a uh, sports game or we haven't played a racing game. Or, like, you know, I was, like, trying to check boxes myself of, like, genres of games that we haven't really touched or things like that. So, like, we, you know, we, we ultimately we all had, like, different goals. And I think that's – I think that was what made this fun is because, like – we could always, you know, rag on Trevor about his <laughs> his love for indie games, or you know, I could always 
you know, know I would get a rise out of you and, and Greg if when I got to say something like, this is like Ninja Gaiden except good or something like that, you know? So um, I think it worked. And I, like I said, we, we had a lot of fun with it, but it just, it just, uh, we, you know, we have, we're at different points in our lives. And this was like a amazing, amazing uh, thing to have been able to do with friends. And it's just also really fun to have done it during COVID when there wasn't a lot of stuff going down. And I just kind of wish that we had, uh, like looking at our numbers and everything, we had a, you know, a lot of people didn't have a lot of things to do, but kind of, uh, saw, we had a big spike in, um, uh, listenership around then that I was not aware of at the time and kind of wish we had done some things to kind of tweak the, the format and the model and maybe we would have achieved some more heights that we didn't weren't able to achieve but ultimately uh i don't regret what we did and i enjoyed everything that we did so yeah um, yeah great experience (laughs) well good podcast good experience but that being said i think it's time to move on for now yep yep definitely (laughs) definitely yeah like you said this may not be the last time you hear us uh we may I think honestly, I think we have a uh, at least half a year renewed on our Podbean subscription, the the hosting for this. So we may, you know, do a, a shock episode or do something like that. But I'm not guaranteeing or promising that any of us will be involved or all of us or anything like that. It's just something that could happen. But uh, yeah, this this will not be the last you have heard of us. Just maybe the last you you know, like as a group. But uh, like, definitely check out everybody's socials. So um, you can find Trevor at um, twitch.tv slash lyric unsung. You can find Greg at twitch.tv slash boombox hero. Um, you can find Dante at oh. twitch.tv slash awaken cloud. Greg isn't Magnegro on Twitch. Anymore? He had to change his name. I thought they he unchanged his name or whatever. Oh, let me see. Because I remember that, but I didn't know if that affected his URL. So let me. No, it's it's Magnegro with a zero. Still, I'm pretty sure. Okay, cool, cool. So yeah, scratch that. You can find Greg at Magnegro with the. But I think you can find him on like Twitter at Boombox. Where Twitter is, it? is Boombox Hero. Yeah, okay. Twitter is Boombox Hero. Um, I do not know what these guys are streaming. I think Greg has been streaming a lot of uh, Street, Street Fighter. Fighter Five. I don't know about Trevor, and I don't. What about you, Dante? Um, right now I'm streaming a Hat in Time, and um, Sonic Adventure. I'm doing that on Sundays now. Ironically, that joke came full circle and I walked right into it. (laughs) (laughs) Never fails. (laughs) And uh, yeah, um, with that, it's been great. And we are Miss Checkpoints and we're out. Peace. Brothers, the Tale of Two Sons is not a puzzle game. (laughs) We're leaving this in. We're leaving this in. (laughs)